It is that time again. Are you ready to dive in to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast? Welcome in this morning. It is Friday, July the 30th, 2021. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media, if you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one, and that is the numerical value one. Ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. If you are listening this morning, let me be the first to say welcome to the Unshakable Nation. For other ways, you can check your show notes right there in your podcast app and you will see links to other ways you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. We want to continue as we always do to thank those who are giving in support of the show. You're helping us to continue to grow this ministry organically and little by little we are just looking to continue to spread the gospel and make disciples and we want to thank those who continue to give in support of that and in support of this ministry and we always want to encourage people to be obedient to the holy spirit if you're looking for a way that you can give if you will check your show notes right there in your podcast app you'll see the link that says support the show it will take you over to where you can donate one time or you could donate on a recurring basis but as we always say we ask that you first pause and pray about that determine if you feel like it is where god is leading you to give if not please move on give where god is calling you to give be obedient to that we are not in desperate need we will continue to do what we do whether anyone gives or not we will continue with our ministry. Our goal here is not to take your money. Our goal is just to continue to spread the gospel and make disciples. So we just, again, if you want to give, great. That's fantastic. We appreciate that. Uh, Just know that it is not something that we are trying to get or that we would try to force or coerce you to give uh, in any way. It's always about obedience to the Holy Spirit and giving where God is leading you to give. We are firm believers that there are much bigger needs in this world that you could give to, and we want you to be obedient to that always. For feedback, questions, comments, topics, anything that anything you want to throw at me, I ask that you send that over to sam at unshakableministries.com. I say this all the time. I've said it before. I will say it again. I'm always open to healthy discussion between brothers and sisters in Christ. As long as we have a clear understanding that we will approach this with respect and a mutual respect, I will say that, and not in an argumentative style of discussion. I am not here in any way to prove that I am right, you are wrong, and we should never approach discussion that way. When we approach discussions, we should always approach them with an open mind, always asking ourselves, is there a possibility that I might be wrong? When you approach discussions this way, you are more open to hear what the other side has to say. This is a a place that I had to come to. It was not the place I have always been in, but a place that I have had to mature in my faith to get to. 
And I just ask that if you want to have those types of discussions, please keep that in mind. The most important way that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly, asking that you just continue to lift us up, praying that we would be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, joining God where he is already at work, so we can impact the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, I don't know about where you are in the world or in the country. It is hot in Alabama. It has been like brutally hot, especially this week. You walk outside and the sweat beads up immediately. So it's been brutal this week. I know that with my job, with what I do, I tend to be out in the heat a lot. And for some reason this week, if if hell is anything like this, no thank you. The humidity and the heat, it's just been absolutely brutal this week and zapped me every time I go out. It just it takes every bit of energy that I have. But anyway, I you know, I hope that you guys are staying well out there. I want to dive into something this morning, and this is I, I want to preface before I dive in. This this could very well be a two-part episode. We will see how today goes. But this could very well be a two-part episode, but I want to preface with this. As I dive into this subject, I want you to understand that I'm not here to argue with anyone. I am not here to prove a point or say that I am right. I am simply here to have a conversation on a subject matter, number one, that is dividing the church. It's been dividing the church for some time now. And I really just want to talk about this from my perspective and how I came to the conclusion that I came to using Scripture. I don't want to sit here and talk about my feelings and talk about my emotions. I want to talk about my study and how I came to this conclusion today. And I'm asking everyone who listens to this today, this is a subject that when I say it's dividing churches, like literally churches are splitting over this subject matter in half. Half the congregation is is believing one way. Half the congregation is believing another way. And this is something that I've talked about before is that we, we've we got to come together as the body of Christ. We've got to understand that there are things that we, we, we will agree on. We've got to understand there are things that we will disagree on. The most important thing is that we agree on the fundamental aspects of salvation. We, we have to agree on those things. Those are the foundation of the faith. And those are things we must agree on. Those are things that are worth debating on. And I go into, you know, uh, Peter and Paul. When you look at, at Peter, Peter was teaching in the beginning. He was teaching uh, obedience to Christ, but also obedience to the law when it came to the food laws. And Paul opposed Peter. And this is, this is something that is, is fundamental to salvation. It's fundamental to the gospel. And Paul had to make sure that Peter understood that salvation was in Christ alone, that there, there was nothing you could add to it. And I believe that there are fundamentals that we must be willing to stand firm on. We must be dogmatic about those fundamentals. But then there are things that we might disagree on that aren't fundamental to the faith, and we can't let those things divide us when we disagree. But this is one of those subject matters that always creates division because people are so hell-bent on being right that they lose sight of what the goal and the mission are, which are impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mission. 
And when we internally within the body of Christ allow ourselves to be divided, it is because of arrogance and pride and we lose sight of that primary mission. So I want us to understand, and I wanted to preface with that going into this morning's into this morning's topic, so that we understand to approach this in a mature way, but also at the same time not to approach this from a perspective of saying I'm right and you're wrong, but simply sharing with you how I came to the conclusion that I came to, using some of the questions that I asked myself along this journey. When this, when this particular subject matter first came to my attention years ago and how my study led me to believe the way that I believe. So, I know you're sitting there saying, Sam, would you please shut up and just get into what we're going to talk about? Absolutely. But understand, we must unify and come together on the key fundamentals that are non-negotiable in the faith as we follow Christ. And here's what we see. As brothers and sisters, we must always remember that Christ is the most important aspect of our walk. We must all agree that Christ is the propitiation for all sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of the entire world. We're going to get into that in a minute. We must all agree that Christ is the only way to the Father. John 14, 6. We must agree that he was born to a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified on the cross in our place, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. We must agree that as Christ followers, we have been given a mission to share the gospel and make disciples. We must agree that the scriptures are God's inspired truth to us. We must agree that we cannot read what is not there and take away what is there when it comes to Scripture. And what I mean by that is there are so many people that read into Scripture something that is not there. Some of those things we have discussed here before. We've got to be sure that we agree that we cannot do that. We cannot put something there that is not there, or take away something that is there. We must agree that God is sovereign. We must agree that God is all-knowing, past, present, and future. And finally, we must agree that God's ways are outside of our realm of comprehension, meaning that there are things that God does we will never have the wisdom to understand and to claim that we do have understanding of those things is to place yourself as God. God operates outside of our realm of understanding and comprehension. Let us not pretend that we can understand everything about God and know everything about God. God is the only all-knowing being out there. These are key fundamentals that we cannot argue, debate, or be divided on. Now, everything else, it's what I call fringe issues, but they're good to discuss with one another. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We spend too much time arguing 
and being divided over these fringe issues. But if we can get our minds right, discussions on fringe issues can make the body of Christ more healthy. That means on the fringe issues, we must be open to one simple truth. As I stated a moment ago, we just don't know anything other than what is written. We cannot read what is written and come to a doctrinal belief by adding something to it. We must take only what is written and find the context of what is written and then move forward in that truth. I said it a minute ago, we're so bent on trying to be right that we are putting things into Scripture that are not written there, changing the entire context of what is written. You understand that the key principle is we must find the context of what is written, not changing the context to make us right. We have allowed doctrines to divide us for centuries, leading back to the ascension of Christ. All the while, Christ prayed to the Father this, that we would be unified in them. This is what Christ prayed, that we, as his disciples, as his followers, would be unified. I've watched over the last two decades a church become completely divided in doctrine to the point churches are splitting and this has to do with a dogmatic stance that is taken by parties without leaving room for the possibility you might be wrong. This is where that pride and arrogance comes in. This is what's dividing churches, pride and arrogance. It is the need to be right. The danger is taking a section of Scripture and building a doctrinal foundation out of it without first comparing and contextualizing the Scriptures you are using. You can't just simply read a few verses and immediately apply a context to that. You have to remember that everything between the covers of the Bible is important to gaining context. Everything. And if you remove Christ from any of it, none of it has context. So before we just take a few verses of Scripture and attempt to create our own doctrine, let us compare those to all other Scripture so that we find the proper context of what is written. Now, enough jabbering. Now you want to know what exactly I'm talking about, if you haven't already picked up on it. This is something that was brought up to me. I've been asked multiple times where I stand on this. So this morning, I decided to take an opportunity to kind of share where I stand on this. So today, I want to talk about the doctrine of predestination versus the doctrine of free will. Understand what I said in the preface. I don't care which camp you are in. This cannot be something that divides us. We cannot argue to the point of hatred and dividing ourselves. We must be mature enough to have these discussions in a healthy way and still remain unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So if you don't have the ability to ask yourself, is there a chance I might be wrong about this, I suggest you turn this episode off right now. Don't listen any further. But if you can be open to the possibility you might be wrong, please continue to listen because, like I said, all I'm going to share is how I came to the conclusion I came to using the scriptures. This has become a point of contention in the church over the last two decades where believers allow themselves to be divided over this matter. One side is 100% sold that everything was predestined by God prior to the creation of the world, while the other side is 100% sold that everything is left to the choice of man and predestination is a lie. I want to start by looking at the two different camps and what their beliefs are. Predestination. According to Crossway.org, one article defines it this way. The doctrine of predestination is the teaching that before the creation of the world, God decided to eternal, uh, I'm sorry, God decided the eternal destiny of all rational creatures. That is, all angels and all human beings. Some men and angels were predestined unto everlasting life, and others were foreordained to everlasting death. God's choice to save certain sinners by grace is called election, and his choice to leave certain sinners to the damnation they deserve is reprobation. Free will. This suggests that God in his sovereignty has predestined a path to redemption. However, the sinner is left to decide of his own volition whether to accept this path or not. I don't know which camp you land in. I'm always open to good, healthy discussion on the topic with anyone who understands the proper approach to this subject. We can disagree on this topic and still remain unified in fundamental truths and focused on the mission laid before us. I'm going to keep saying that. It's going to become redundant because it is important to understand as we move forward. I am a firm believer in what the Bible says. The entire Bible. This means if you want to have this discussion, you must be open to hearing all verses discussing the topics of predestination and free will. You can't have your mind made up that your view is right and everyone else is wrong in order to have a healthy conversation. In order for the body of Christ to remain healthy and vibrant, we must be willing to always question certain doctrines. The Apostle Paul is clear about this when he calls us to examine ourselves to make sure we are even in the faith. According to the doctrine of predestination, this examination would be pointless because you are either in or you are out. Now again, this is from my perspective, how I came to my understanding. If you want to know where I stand, I will go ahead and tell you I'm, I'm, I'm in the free will camp. That's where I'm at. I don't want there to be any question about that but I'm sharing with you this morning how I came to this conclusion. There is no point in examining yourself to make sure you are in the faith if, in fact, you are predestined in the faith because according to predestination, you are either in or you are out. I've had many conversations with people who closely follow the doctrine of predestination. The conclusion they have come to when considering free will 
is that to believe in free will is to believe that salvation is a work of the man rather than God. When what we actually believe is the exact opposite of that. We believe the plan of salvation and the message of hope belong only to God who perfectly orchestrated the events leading up to the cross based on his foreknowledge. The fact that God is all-knowing and has already seen every decision and choice a man will make allows him complete sovereignty to bring about his will. How amazing is that? Is that, that God can see every decision every man has ever made and work his will perfectly inside the choices of man. This is, this is again, what I believe. To me, this makes... God even that much more sovereign, that much more amazing, that much more of a God to know that he can do this. But to believe that God preordained every little detail within his creation is to verse, in my opinion, based on my study, you have to discount other verses that speak to free will. And secondly, to suggest that God, in fact, is responsible for evil and every sin. Now, if you believe the Bible to be the inspired truth of God, you cannot believe God is responsible for sin according to James. When we look at James chapter 1, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted that he is tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted, listen, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, his making that desire possessive, making that decision a possession. It, it is the man's possession. When we look at that verse, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. This verse clearly speaks to the fact that sin is the free will choice of man and not that of being preordained to sin by God. I can't in my mind fathom a God who sent his son, who was God in the flesh, who lived a sinless life, in fact, preordained people to actually sin. Based on this verse of scripture and based on so many other verses. But to know that James chapter 1 assigns that decision to man. It assigns that choice to man. It is his to make. We also see verses that tell us salvation is the free gift of God and it is not by the works of man, but that doesn't mean we are without responsibility. When you consider that we are created in the likeness, which means having characteristics and image of God, you must see there is a role that free will plays in the life of each man. We know God is a free will thinker, and if made in his likeness, we too can be free will thinkers. God can still be sovereign while allowing us to think and choose for ourselves. Now, if we take a look over at Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess and believe, you will be saved. How can we read this and not see that man has a responsibility to accept the work of salvation provided by Christ? 
if you confess and believe, you will be saved. It doesn't say if I have preordained you to confess and believe, you will be saved. Or if I preordained you, you will be saved. That's not what the verse says. Again, this goes back to you can't read what's not there. You have to read what is written. If you confess, the if you is assigning the choice to you. If you confess and believe, you will be saved. If you look further into Romans 10 verse 11, it says this, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Not some who believe, but everyone. Now, we see this, right? It says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It does not say some who believe. It says everyone. Now, I've had conversations with those in the predestination camp that have suggested that everyone, quote unquote, or all, quote unquote, is referring to everyone or all that were preordained. But to come to this conclusion, I would have had to have read something that is not written and discount the Greek context of these words. You also must omit what verse 12 and 13 say. Listen, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to read that again because this is what I was talking about. You can't read a verse of Scripture and come to a doctrinal belief and state that as being fact. I can't do that. I have to take every other verse that is written into account before I come to a conclusion on what I believe. And that's what I did. This is how I came to this conclusion. These are just some of the verses that I used, some of the main verses. I want to read those again. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. But Sam... We said these words are referring to the elect only. right? So this is a question I have to ask myself when I sat down with some of these in the predestination camp. Okay, Sam, if all of these words are just written to the elect, what do I do with 1 John 2, 2? Which says, He, being Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours, but the sins of of the whole world. Here we come back, and we, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago in the episode, we come back to that word world. As we discussed, and how, however, in this verse, here's the thing that we have to understand it means. In this verse, it means something completely different than what we discussed in the previous episodes. In this verse, the word actually means planet earth, and all its inhabitants. That's the Greek context. This is why it is critical in our study to use keyword study so we can gather specific context as it applies to the words that are written. This is the same term used in John 3.16. For God so loved the world 
the earth and all its inhabitants, that he sent his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever is the same term used as everyone who believes in him shall not be put to shame. It's the same word that is used in Romans 10, 12, and 13 when it says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, it is everyone, whosoever. These, these are verses that I had to use to answer the question, is it predestination or is it free will? Or is it both? Is there a mixture of both? What's interesting is as we further dig into the subject, we see the word in John 3.16, Romans 10, and other places in the New Testament, believe, and we tend to skip right over this word. It's said in the camp of predestination that one believes because God predestined them to believe. However, you can't gloss over what that word means in the Greek. It means to be firmly persuaded or convinced of something. In the doctrine of predestination, one cannot be persuaded if in fact they are predestined to not believe. However, in the camp of free will, this plays out according to exactly what we believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit works in and through the message of the gospel to persuade and convince people. That means salvation is not the work of man simply because they choose to believe. Salvation still and will always forever remain in possession of God. He is the work of salvation. He is the provider of salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Praise be to His name. These are just some of the verses that I use to come to my conclusion on this subject matter. Now again, this is not to sit here and prove that I'm right. It's simply to get us to think from a different perspective, be open in our minds to the possibility that what we believe could very... This is how you examine yourself. Is there a possibility that you might be wrong? Yes. When it comes to the things of God, the thoughts of God and the ways of God, there is a very strong likelihood that, guess what? We are wrong. Are you open to it? You don't have to believe what I believe for me to love you, for me to come alongside you and, and be unified in the mission that we were given to share the gospel and make disciples. But let us, as the body of Christ, let us unify. Whether we agree on this subject matter or not, stop arguing over it. Stop dividing over it. Stop allowing Satan to come in and tear us apart. We are stronger than that. We are better than that. We are more mature than that. So let us come together. Be unified in mission because the mission is more important than what you believe on this subject matter. Father God, we thank you this morning. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, what you do in our lives on a daily basis. Father, the way that you continue to work in us, to perfect us through the work of salvation 
And, and I love what that verse says, that he who began the work in us is faithful to complete it. Father, we thank you for continuing through the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct us, to sanctify us, to purify us, to make us holy before you. Christ, we thank you for being the propitiation for our sin, for willingly laying your life down and taking on what we deserved. We thank you for what you have provided through your blood that we, apart from you, are nothing. God, we pray that in the truth of Scripture, God, you would make us unshakable. And let us be unified in spirit, unified in mind. Let us set aside these unhealthy debates, these unhealthy arguments. The discussions can be healthy, but God, when we allow them to divide us, it is of Satan. It is of the enemy. He is deceiving us to believe that the only way this lands is we either are in one camp or we are in another camp and that we can never come together. God, that is the deception. The truth is we can be unified and still disagree on some of the fringe issues. But God, let us remember what is a priority, what is the most important, which is sharing the gospel and making disciples. God, we will continue to give you the glory, you the honor, and you the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. And as always, until next time, remain unshakable. <laughs>